Quest Episode 8, which is actually recording the day we just put up Episode 7. So... We're on a roll! Hmm. So if, oh, why if, did I say that? Why did I give you license to make that <laughs> joke again? So if you happen to have asked a question since that one went live, um, we probably haven't seen it yet. Unless it's about Saga. Yes, because we were gifted with the best question ever. <laughs> a question that neither of us could resist because we're both awful people. Yes. So the question, uh, fittingly enough from Lowell Whoops, is... Can I get an explanation of the Saga series and which games would be best for easing into the series? And yes, why yes, you can. <laughs> you can. Who As it so happens, you can. Saga, run a podcast. Yes, and we're gonna go through all of them because why the heck not? I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the list to make sure we don't forget any, even yes. though there's going to be bound to be several neither of us played. <laughs> yes, that's important, and we've also gotten some. Uh, various more specific questions yeah, about the series the, that we will be going through probably near closer to the end. Yeah. Lightning round. Yes. Alright, so I think before we actually talk about Saga, we should kind of talk about the game that seems to have led to Saga, that being Final Fantasy 2. And since Which, it's, uh... it's not actually a Saga game, so we're just going to talk about it quickly, but yeah, it's it was as far as I know, it's the first thing Kawazu directed. It's the first thing Kawazu directed that anyone has ever cared about. Uh, generally considered to be kind of the black sheep of its own franchise, but it's a super innovative game that also happens to be basically the genesis of Saga. A lot of traits that show up in Saga show up in FF2. Yeah, what's interesting. Mo- it, what's interesting is that there's some a lot of stuff that actually went on to influence the Final Fantasy series as well, like all the story scripting and stuff like that. So, it, yeah, it's it's a very ambitiously scripted game compared yeah. to its predecessor or its successor, so, mm. or even most eight-bit RPGs. So, like, you know, one thing you can never really claim Kawazu wasn't was you know innovative. He was you know. The driving behind behind a lot of that game's design, which is why there's a lot of uh, shared elements between it and uh, the entire Saga franchise. Most notably, the highly controversial stat system. Yes. Uh, which was much wonkier in Final Fantasy II it's, than it's, ever it was in really- Saga. It's a really ambitious system that is not worked out at all yet. <laughs> yeah. So it's really funny that just, you know, how how many great ideas there were in that game and how colossally they all came together. It, it how colossally and any of them. Yeah, I mean, how colossally, awfully they all came together. I still love FF2. It's like a flawed piece of brilliance. It's like... I'm trying to think of how to describe it in a uh, perfect lurid metaphor. It'd be something like... uh, No, no, all of the metaphors I'm thinking of are completely tasteless. Uh, It's sort of like that uh, Japanese artist that made a sculpture out of his own semen. 
where it's really impressive that it happened at all. Yes. It probably shouldn't exist. It probably <laughs> influenced someone for the better, but you kind of wish you'd never seen it. Mm. Uh, and it never got better with any of the remakes either. <laughs> I really hope that statue never got remade. Um, yeah, it's just that's true. It was, uh... Some of the remakes are improved. They're just they never rise to the level of good. Yeah. There's some fundamental problems with its design that would need to be more heavily remade in order to fix. Most notably, like that game's just full of terrible rooms where you walk into them and it forces an encounter, and then you have to walk out of them and hope it doesn't force another encounter. <laughs> FF2's a flawed bit of brilliance. Yeah. Um, but it's also not a saga game, so let's move on to the first actual saga yes. game. So the first... Final Fantasy Legend. Yes, <laughs> which in Japan was called... Uh, do you want to pronounce this one so I don't butcher it? Makai Toshi Saga. Thank you. Which apparently in this case translates to Warriors in the Warrior in the Tower of the Spirit World Saga. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, which... So... <laughs> That's uh, actually a pretty succinct summation of what's in the game, actually. Yeah, it really is. Especially, you know, the tower. The tower is the central theme of the first two games in the Saga series. Sadly, bananas are not. Yes, sadly. Uh, so it's the best way of getting around drugs ever. <laughs> so this game, uh, you can definitely feel the FF2 influence here, although I think it's uh, the ambition is a bit pared back and kind of... There's an understanding, even from Kawazu's, like, bless him, his deranged mind, that there's only that he has to pare things back a bit for the Game Boy because there's only so much he can really do with it. Yeah. Even so, it's still very interesting. And um, to kind of simplify things here is, um, so it's kind of your basic like Dragon Questy-ish RPG, uh, where you make a party of four. And the interesting thing here is there's three different types of characters. And all of them are uniquely horrifying to anyone who's used to normal RPG yes. level up systems. Not only do they all use non-traditional leveling systems, they each use their own non-traditional leveling systems. The best part is they're, they're not using a consistent one. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> Like, I'm sure that... I'm trying to remember. I didn't play much of Final Fantasy Legend 1, but I am I know that one of them basically acts like an FF2 character. Yes, that it, that would... And I would know this because I've... I, yeah, this he's, game he's, was my childhood, essentially. <laughs> um, also, he's streaming it. Watch the streams. Yes. We're going to do another one of those in the near future. Um uh, so the mutant is basically like the Final Fantasy II character, although it that explains so much about Final Fantasy II's characters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the mutant, which I guess um, in the fan translation of the remake, it was I think it was called Esper or something, which is probably. Yeah, and I think that's that's usually how it's tra- it's translated a few different ways depending upon the game. I want to say. Yeah. Like that level up system continues. I'm not sure if it has the same name always in Japan, but it has a few different names depending upon what uh, game you're looking at. Yeah. So, you know, not that this translation was awful. It was okay for no, okay enough for the time. Yeah. Um, like. 
the the problem is that try fitting all of the words relating to psychic in an easy character limit, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so yeah, those character those don't work exactly like Final Fantasy two. Um, you can't hit yourself to begin with, and <laughs> obvious picks. Yes, and I think they're kind of naturally. Uh, I think they're just like they're like naturally good at magic. I don't know if they're uh, like, like human their characters. They get more yeah. skills of that nature. Yeah, they have a weird skill system too. I mean, they their their strength and agility and stuff like that can increase, and I think they you can use them fine that way. But I think the main purpose there they're, is they're to built use... around their weird skill acquisition yeah. so, system. So they'll randomly acquire different skills, and those skills will randomly change to other skills for in which can lead to potentially disastrous results when it's it's great playing a game and realizing that your most useful spell has just randomly mutated into something that yeah, does nothing. Yeah. I really recommend watching what I've been streaming, which is now on YouTube for this very reason because it, it's just hilarious seeing what these skills change into and uh, and, and then, of course, you just reload immediately. Yeah, yeah. If it's awful, I'll just like reload the game. But you know, you might have like this cool flame skill that turns into, uh, like the ESP skill that uh, has a better description in the remake, but doesn't really do anything. <laughs> the problem is that regardless of what it's describing itself as doing, it's not really doing that much. Yeah. So, so those are those are kind of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it here. They have the most potential, um, but to both rescue your party and screw it. Yes, over. they have the most potential to be the strongest characters in your party, but not consistently. You have you have basically no real control over what they're going to do mm. uh, when they when when their skills decide to change. It's you know game over. You yeah. just kind of you either reload or you roll with it. Like, I'm pretty sure you could equip a character with, like, a strength-based weapon and keep using it, and their strength may not necessarily but if, increase. But if you're doing... If, yeah, well, like, if you're if you're just equipping them with a weapon and telling them to smack things, you're making... You might as well be using a human. Yeah. And so let's just transition to talking about the human, which is the exact opposite. The leveling of the humans is entirely consistent and entirely customizable. It is purely, like, it is... The perhaps irregularly for the franchise as a whole, it is entirely in your hands. Mm -hmm. Actually, this version of like character levels kind of turns into robots in later games. Yeah, it, yeah, it really kind of does. Although the robots have a lot more interesting aspects to them. Well, yeah, the the robots are much more complex, just like everything else. It's yeah. just like the the idea that you have something that is perfectly customizable that is always in your control yeah. transfers over to robots in later games. Exactly. So, yeah. The, so the humans gain no skills whatsoever in battle. At all. Nothing. Yeah. If you level them by... Battles really don't do anything for them except get the money. Exactly. <laughs> and with the money, you can buy items that increase HP, increase strength, increase agility. I don't know if there's one for mana. Like, I can't remember if humans are ever actually able to use spells. I... I always used I always use mutants for that, so I'm not really sure. If there is a way, it's not playing to their strengths, much like just trying to have smack things around. Right. So so really, so the best way to work with this here is to 
bump up strength or agility and focus on weapons that either use strength or agility, which is usually kind of kind of obvious. Just like Dark Souls. <laughs> it, so it's usually kind of obvious, like bows or agility. I guess I think like a whip is agility. A hammer is strength. Swords are strength. Uh, light lighter swords are agility. I think. <laughs> and then the, the ability may not be exactly called agility, but I, I think it's it's the same it's, principle. Yeah, it's the same principle. But yeah, so so that's the basic concept behind the humans. And really, you kind of need a human. At you least need one. some source of damage that is like sustainable that you can count on to not do something horrible. Yeah, there's there's a lot of I don't want to re- exactly call it randomness completely. No, it's it's. It's it's fair to call okay. it. Okay, so so there's a lot of randomness here, and you really need something that you can rely on. And... I, I feel like we should explain early on that uh, what Akitoshi Kawazu has mentioned about his personal game design philosophy sure. is that it's very influenced by tabletop games, which you know, you know, a lot of them rely on dice rolls. It's just how they work. And he sort of transfers that spirit into single-player games, which tends to uh, that are controlled by computers, which tends to produce games that are simultaneously like always a different experience, especially from its peers, but at the same time produce situations where people are like, "I feel like I should have more control over this than I do." Yeah, um, and in fact, one of the Saga games is basically a translation of a tabletop game. But we'll get to that later, because that's, that's much later. yeah, that's that's and that's a really interesting topic. It's but, a fascinating. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's the humans. You really want at least one human, and the other one, which you may not want to use at all, is monsters. Uh, so monsters are like the unhappy medium between humans and espers. Yeah. Where, you know, humans are entirely deterministic. Uh, espers are basically entirely random. Monsters are deterministic, but based on a system you have so little insight into that they might as well be random. Yeah. Unless you are looking up a guide, you will never get a monster that is not essentially constantly transforming at random. Uh, so basically how the monster works is they don't, gain any stats. They can't equip, equip weapons or armor. The only way for them to... As, a, as long as a monster holds its current form, it cannot change. Yes. The only way to, quote-unquote, advance a monster is to eat the meat of other monsters, which will turn you into some other monster, which may be better or may be worse. And in the original version of this game, it gave you no input on what the heck your monster was going to turn into. <laughs> yeah, you just... Do you eat the meat? Yes or no? Yes. So The, that... the Wonderswan version is much better about yeah, this. Uh, yes. So the Wonderswan version actually gives you, like, a, this is what you're going to turn into. Here's the stats as compared to the stats you have now, uh, which is great, which makes this... which makes this less reliant on a guide because, you know, you can kind of just check... It is, in, on, in some sense, kind of still because at the same time... There's a really complicated background tree that's expl- like that determines what you can transform into from what. But at the same time, you can just eat meat and know what you'll get out of it. So yeah, you could kind of get by a bit just by essentially waiting till you, till you fight harder monsters and get 
meat from them. Yeah, there's a, there is at the very least a fairly logical. If the monster is harder, it will probably move you up the class chain. Yeah, but if you if you're trying to get specific monsters, uh, yeah, that's going to be very difficult. Yeah, you you sort of have to just sort of plan around it. There's yeah. plenty of resources online. They're kind of hard to read. <laughs> yeah, so this is a class that works better in modern days now when it's easy to look up a guide and figure this out but back then it was just awful and if you if you bought final fantasy legend in 1989 or like 1990 in america you were condemning yourself to a life of hardship if you were bringing monsters yeah and as a kid i definitely wanted to because it's like oh cool monsters and i didn't start doing a lot better with this game until i was like okay Adios, monsters. Get out of my I'm party. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're useless. You've been cut. <laughs> Kick the weak kid off the team. Yeah. But like we said, it's a lot better than the Wonder Swan version, and that's if you're gonna. That's play really it... like unless you know if you if you can get a legal copy, great. But if, unless if you're not a stickler for that, there's really no reason to not be playing the Wonder Swan version. Yeah. I don't think it's that's even been re-released on like any digital platforms or anything. And... I, I believe at some point there was like Wikipedia claims there was a mobile phone version. Okay. So yeah. Which we also still haven't gotten. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's gonna get more better the longer yeah. this goes on. <laughs> but if you want like the actual visual copy just for the heck of it, or if you actually have a Wonder Swan, which I'd kind of like to get one just for the heck of it at some point. Uh, I, I don't think my copy was all that expensive. Yeah, like, well, for one, Wonder Swans were not expensive even at the time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, they were designed to be as inexpensive as possible, which is why they often felt a little cheap. If you want a good Wonder Swan, like a Wonder Swan crystal, then you'll be paying some money out of pocket. Yeah. Let me, I'm going to actually check eBay right now. It's a good idea. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let me go up since I played more of this. Let me just kind of go over some other thoughts on the actual structure of games. So, combat is your basic turn-based thing. There's not really much to talk about there. Um, okay, Swan crystals are only like forty bucks. So. Yeah. Oh, not bad. So, um, it's it's like the simple Dragon Quest view where you just see the monsters, not too much animation. Yeah, first person. Yeah. And the basic concept is you're climbing up this tower trying to get to, quote-unquote, paradise. Uh, That's always ended well in an RPG. Yeah, and there's four different worlds. So wor the <laughs> And there's four different worlds. Uh, you know, I don't remember what the, like, the first world is called, but the second one's ocean, and then sky, and then, like, a futuristic-y world of ruin, which, they're all relatively small, but pretty interesting and then eventually after you beat all those you kind of go up through like a simplified version of the tower itself and for, then... for a first year Game Boy game it's pretty impressive in scope even though yeah. it, you know, it's kind of tiny so eventually you fight the creator which yes yeah, not god at all yeah creator I wonder what that was what that would actually be translated to <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's silly. Um, that's like saying the master in Act Razor is God. Yeah. <laughs> so the ending is interesting because it's basically just like, oh, there's paradise. Screw you. 
<laughs> my paradise now. <laughs> Screw you. You're you're dead. We're gonna go back down the tower and yeah, interesting game. We went up the tower. There was nothing worthwhile. Yeah. And we don't really need spoiler tags here because you're not really playing this one for the story. There's it's not much simple. story and yeah, <laughs> two memes have already destroyed the story of Saga 1 because the most well-known thing about it, I feel, at this point is the fact that there's a bug in it that makes it so that you can change Saga in half. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there's a chainsaw weapon that will like randomly kill things. And... It's supposed to only work on low-level things. It's bugged. It's backward. It only works on high-level things. Whoops. <laughs> Oh, you know what? We forgot to talk about one of the most interesting, at least for the time, aspects of this game. What's that? The durability of weapons. Oh, oh yeah, everyone's favorite. Yes. So, I think what turned a lot of people off of this game and definitely gave me a uh, what-the-heck-is-this reaction is... Um, yeah, so the weapons you buy in this game have a set number of uses, and the same is true for like spell books, and it's also true for monster abilities and mutants abilities that they randomly learn, but those regenerate when you stay at an end. But so yeah, weapon durability, um, which means you have to think a lot more in random encounters about what you're going to use and maybe if you just want to run away and save some uses because um, some of the more powerful Your warriors not anything yeah. that. <laughs> and some of the more powerful weapons are only going to have like maybe say 25 uses maybe so yeah like it it's kind of an interesting like it's designed to be like the downside to someone that has to rely on equipment where like the monster and the mutant when they when they sleep it's like oh they've got all that back the character that you can rely on is still in some fashion unreliable yeah <laughs> yeah so uh the later games kind of keep this but it's they dial it back. Yeah, dial it back a lot. And I'm not that I think this is necessarily a bad aspect, but it's... It's more just something you really need to remember. Yeah, and it's... it's To go to get what the Saga games are going for, you don't necessarily need this. Um, and I really like how the later games do it anyway, but we'll talk about that in a bit. So, yeah, that's kind of the gist of the original Saga which uh, sets up a lot for the sequel, which does all this, but a lot better. Released in Japan as Saga 2, Hiho Densetsu. Yes. <laughs> and obviously released here as Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Legend, Legend 2. 2. <laughs> it's a, totally a Final Fantasy, guys. Yes. Uh, so this one was interesting in a lot of ways, and definitely a much more advanced game than the original one. Um, yeah, like this is this is a really impressive game for a Game Boy game, oh, especially yeah. like it, it's it came out a year after uh, the Japanese one, actually less. Really? Than a year. Wow. Uh, 
Final Fantasy Legend 1 is December 15th, 1989 in Japan. Final Fantasy Legend 2 is December 14th, 1990. Wow. <laughs> like, the... Like, this is an impressive game, especially given how early of a Game Boy game it is. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of talk about the, the the character creation options, because you also create a party of four in this. Yeah. Um, so I kind of haven't played this in a while, so I'm trying to remember what how they differ a bit from the original game. Yeah. But let's just, actually, let's just start with the robots, because they're interesting. Robots! Yes. So... The cool thing about robots, and ah, so cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, anything you equip on the robots, like weapons, items, like healing items, um, they get it instantly halves their uses, which may give you like a um, "what the heck did I just do?" reaction. But all those uses regenerate. Yeah, because, like, hey, robots get to just keep it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so they, it really makes them kind of like an alternate version of the humans, where... A role they would flourish in in later yes. games. So, so how does the... I'm trying, now I'm trying to remember, how, the, how does the advancement for them work? I'm like I'm not as familiar with Legend Two. I know that by Frontier, the way robots worked was that they basically they they were entirely dependent on the parts you equipped them with. Yeah, I think that may I think that may be the case here. I think like it, when you equipped better armor and stuff, they got like more HP and stuff like that. Yeah, but... like like Frontier has this really neat system where like you have to balance like the base usefulness of the like chassis essentially yeah with how many part slots it has uh. which i like given the memory on the game boy there's probably not anywhere near that complex a system in legend 2 but it's been forever yeah this is a this is it, it's also worth noting this is a, another high profile uh, fan translation there is a ds version of this that is apparently amazing but yeah uh, i'm trying to about this game because like it's it's like the most beloved saga game as far as english speakers are concerned but i haven't played very much of it yeah well we can i can talk a bit about the story and the game pro progression while i look up some yeah some specific information um so some <laughs> so the story is a bit more advanced here still relatively simple um you're still going up a tower um there's many more little worlds that you run into and on each you kind of have to find certain relics that will help you unlock further areas up the tower and I think unlike the first game the tower itself was like less of a dungeon and more just where you went to travel to the various different worlds it's just a portal yeah but basically the, the whole setup is uh, you're looking for your dad the main character, whoever you create's dad. Uh, traveling up the tower, learning about the world, and eventually figuring out uh, whoever the evil person's... I forget the, the name of whatever the final boss in this is, but... There's probably treasure involved in this somewhere, because, like, the name in Japanese is something about legendary treasure. Yeah. It's a it's it's a relatively simple story because you know 
Game Boy RPG, but yeah. Um, the imp- Shed, one new aspect here is there are guest characters, so you can get, you actually have a party of five at times where certain story characters will join up with you, <coughs> and are usually pretty powerful and useful. This would actually kind of be a uh, hallmark of this series, just like characters that would sort of flit in and out that you didn't control like a proper party member. Yeah. All right. So, oh, hey, speaking of, remember that time that uh, Kawazu partially directed FF12? wonder <laughs> where that concept came from. <laughs> Which concept was that? There's guest party member. Oh, yeah. Duh. Okay. Um, so... Sorry, I was distracted. I just found the list of the different classes and how their advancement works. Okay, that's good. Okay, so the humans, uh, unlike the original game, uh, gain stats randomly depending on the equipment they're using. Hmm. So, they don't gain any new skills like the original game and the mutants, but it's a more random and less controlled. <laughs> Yeah, because robots are kind of stepping in to be a more controlled party mode, yeah. because, hey, they're robots, what else would they be? I think they're still pretty consistent, though. Yeah, in, in a relative sense, you equip them with things, and their stats will go up based on what they yeah, have. Yeah, it's not, it's not as weird as Final Fantasy 2. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Final Fantasy 2 did that as well, it's just that it subdivided it into 8 million, uh, like, uh, proficiencies. Right. Um, so the mutants in this game are pretty much the same. Um, monsters are pretty much the same, I think. I can't imagine they changed that much. Their system is not that different yeah, as goodbye. I don't think I ever really used them here. This wiki page I'm reading seems to suggest that they can actually maybe keep some skills between transformations. But Which I, would be an, would be an interesting <laughs> system if you knew how to make it work. Yeah. Um, I'm eventually going to stream this game once I'm finishing the, f- the first game, so I'm definitely... That gonna, makes sense, but which yeah. version are you going to stream? Uh, the remake, definitely. Okay. And I'm going to do uh, one party member of each type. So we'll mess around with the monsters and figure out how that works in the new game. Uh, the, obviously, the interesting one we talked about was the robots. Um, so, so, yeah, this... The, the way this wiki page reads seems to suggest exactly what I said. The stats so depend. Your on... didn't betray you. Yeah, so the stats completely depend on what you have equipped. Uh, what you equip them has half the number of uses, which reset when you go to the end. So, so there you go. The robots are pretty yeah. cool, and I think you know when I saw the robots in this game and finally figured them out, I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome! I don't have to worry about weapon durability. Let me make a party of four robots." <laughs> Four powerful, glorious machines. Which may not work out, because you won't, have, you won't have access to any magic either, and that's not always a good thing. It's good to mix and match in these games. Um, you can do interesting You can do interesting runs doing all of one type, but yeah, it's, it's more interesting to mess around with a few different types. Uh, I feel like in Saga games, whether you like them or not, it's going to depend upon how much you can adjust to the temperament. I don't really have control over a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Like, modern games, a lot of times, we sort of judge 
like their quality on how deterministic they are, how much we can presume that we have some degree of like majority control over them, and Kawazu games are not interested in giving you that. Yeah. If you like uh, specially maxing out a party to be absolutely dominating... That's doable, Beast. but it's so mind-bendingly tedious and requires you to wait for a lot of dice rolls to roll yeah. in your, fall, fall in your favor that it would never be enjoyable. And it's not really the point, either. Yeah. So. Like, the, it's about... I, I feel like, even though I don't like roguelikes, there's a certain roguelike temperament of just deal with what it gave you. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can deal with that a bit less, depending on your party makeup, but yeah. You know, you gotta just gotta roll with the punches. <laughs> That's, that phrase is gonna come up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you'll be better for it. You know, I I really didn't want this type of game when I was younger, but it was just like, well, I don't have any other RPGs on the Game Boy, so I kept playing them, and they really stuck with me. Ironically, up until about Pokemon, this was about the high water mark for. Uh for Game Boy RPGs yeah. in terms of traditional RPG. I still think I would call it better than the original Pokemon, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I I can't with good, in good conscience because of nostalgia, <laughs> but it's a more competently made game because the original Pokemon is busted. Yeah, I, <laughs> I caught them all in that game. Yeah, I know you did. my time. Let's, let's not go into this yeah, discussion. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. A whole other thing. So yeah, on the uh, next podcast, someone asks, "How's that whole whole other thing?" Oh no, I don't want to. All right, so let's. Yeah, that's gonna happen. So okay, let's let's move on. Well, we should we should probably talk briefly about the remake because the remake of this is different than the remake of the original, which is mostly a color update and with a few other touches. Yeah, it's it's worth noting that uh, unlike Final Fantasy, where Square. Uh, would take the same remake and just, uh, like, you know, they would sort of port it around and treat it as a new remake every port. This time they were just like, well, we already made that one and it's kind of niche appeal. Let's remake the new, the the next one and see where that comes in. And that, that adds in a lot of the more modern, quote-unquote, modern saga elements into yeah. it. So, uh, most notably the sparking system is in it. Yeah. So I believe it was done by Matrix, who did all did the uh, Final Fantasy three and four DS remakes. Uh, it looks <laughs> like it is. Yeah, the, the only difference being, yeah, the more modern touches were added, like no random encounters. You actually see the enemies. There's some other weird things related to random to the encounters where you can like. It's a it's a pretty high budget DS game, all told, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it it mostly stays true to the original, but with the modern touches. But it, it's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's it's an impressive game. It's a tragedy we didn't get it. I understand why because one, it uh, it and the Saga Three remake both came out around the time that the USDS mark software market was kind of starting to crash and burn. And combine that with piracy. Yeah, that's and, what I mean by yeah, crash. Okay. Like, the, the software market was going downhill. These were kind of large games to translate. Saga was never that popular in America. Like, a multitude of factors kept us yeah. from getting these officially. 
probably didn't fit on smaller DS carts. So probably yeah, more like expensive to produce. Part, relatively large card. Yeah. So, unfortunately, everything was going against it. Um, if you really love the series, it's it's like, not that hard to play in Japanese if you if you're familiar with the original. Uh, you're already probably fairly confused by what's going on in the saga game anyway. So <laughs> yeah. The language doesn't change that much. Yeah, but it's got a lot of nice little icons. Like you'll know what the different weapons are. You can kind of figure. Yeah, out what as a saga is. tradition, the menus are not that hard yeah. to decipher. Uh, but there is a fan translation out there if you do have. Um, the filthy devices that caused the software market to crash. <laughs> or if you want... The cause of and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> or, or if you want to play it on a PC, assuming you have a legally purchased cartridge, of course, because please purchase Saga. They are still they are still available new. Yeah, uh, he just sent me the link to one of them for yeah. $25. Yeah, they, they're still available new and not for that much, so please buy them. Uh, they're very nice video games. Like yes. they're clearly labors of love. Yes, they have very nice uh, art on the uh, the box as well. So the artist, the character artist for Saga Two uh, DS was the same as the one for The World Ends with You. Oh, nice. Could definitely see that. So yeah, yeah. that's 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 a remake of that. Definitely a crying shame we didn't get that. But yeah, there was really no way we were going to get it unless they were really riding high on localization dollars. Yeah. Alright, so do we have to talk about the next game in the series? Have to on some level because we need to point out a few things. One is that this is a cult classic, but it's a cult classic among different people. Yes. <laughs> and, right, like, people who don't like Saga like Saga 3, a.k.a. Final Fantasy Legend 3, because it doesn't really play like a Saga game. Yeah, uh, it's very I'm fitting. I'm pretty sure it has a leveling system, which is heresy. Yeah. This this is uh, Michael Cunningham's uh, favorite Saga game, which uh, makes a lot of sense because he doesn't like Saga games. <laughs> yeah, like, essentially, if you play another Saga game and decide this sucks... Like, this is the Saga game for you. <laughs> yes. Um, so this game, I believe, did not involve Kawazu at all. Is that correct? Uh, if it did, it's to a much diminished capacity. Wikipedia doesn't even list him as being involved yeah. with it. I think that, uh, I think this was at least based on how it plays. It's Yeah, I was going to say, based on how it plays, it, it feels like it has to have involved people who worked on Mystic Quest. Yeah, and, and let it be known that both of us actually like Mystic Quest. Yes, so. it's true. Um, but yeah, like it's it's part of the Mystic Quest team. It's a it's a fine RPG. It's just it's not a saga game. Yeah, and I like that. I wouldn't even call it a fine RPG. I think it's kind of too slow and pokey. Well, it's okay for the time. Yeah, okay for the time it was okay. Yeah. If you wanted a more traditional RPG on your Game Boy, this was a good choice. Yeah. And really, when I was a kid, this was the one I wanted. And it was like, yeah, and I finally played, and it's like... Oh, why I'm, did I want this? I'm going to go play Legend 2 and make some robots. Yeah, like, basically, like how you feel about Saga can be summed up perfectly in how you feel about Legends 2 and 3. Because if you like... If you like Saga games that play like Kawazu's demented brain wants them to, you like Legend 2. If you don't like that style, 
Legend 3 is probably going to be more your cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, so this Unless one... it's the DS remake, which yes. added in a bunch of thug elements. Yes, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's, let's talk about the original first. I don't know anything about it. I never played it. You never played it? Oh, good nope. on you. Um, so... It, the, so this one... Ditches. Flood. I'm just staring at yes. the Wikipedia article so, in abject confusion. So this one tosses out all of the stuff about uh, powers and whatnot. Instead, involves time travel. Wait a minute. This, guy, this main character has a name. This is disgusting. Oh no! You can change. You change all the characters' names. Okay. okay. Yeah, like there's a but default. It's... There's a default there, but you can change them all. Okay. Okay. It's not acceptable until it starts appearing in Romancing Saga. I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's four main characters that you do not get to pick what they are. I believe it's like technically two humans and two espers. Um, but you can you can name them, but yeah, you don't get to pick what they are, at least at first. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what was I gonna say? So, yeah, time travel at Two or three, or maybe all the characters are from the future, sent back to stop things. I don't know, the story's kind of dumb. Um, but you travel around, you find parts to this uh, time machine, which eventually turns into like your transportation. Once you uh, get all the parts so that it can actually fly, um, which, and this kind of leads to the world being pretty small because there's. Uh, multiple multiple time travels and then then you like go to the future and what if Chrono Trigger wasn't world. very interesting yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's they don't the thing is they don't do a ton with the the concept of time travel like there's just kind of the past and the present and you kind of do a few things there and then the future worlds or something like I said what if yeah. Chrono Trigger wasn't very interesting so the combat um, now has your characters animated in like the Final Fantasy Mystic Quest style, where you got the little sprites on the bottom, lined up on the bottom of the screen instead of classic Final Fantasy characters lined up on the right or anything like that. Or first person like the previous. Two. Yeah. The problem is it all kind of animates a bit too slowly, and even takes a bit to load into combat. It would have been like relative relative to the time. It would have been probably considered more impressive to look at, but at the same time, slows it down. Yeah, the, it makes it that's a the less. that's the thing that really hit me when I first played this. Was like, oh, this is you know, this looks so cool, and then it's eventually it just feels like combat feels so much longer than it did in the original games, which moved super fast. Because, I mean, you can, you can just, like, hold down the A button and it scrolled through the text in the original one and did the simple animations real quick. It's very good for handheld. Yeah. Which this is less so, because it, in being more fancy, it became less of a handheld right. game. <laughs> um, and so advancements of the characters is also a lot more simple. So you got just traditional leveling... Um, I think you can pretty much buy weapons and magic for everyone. Um, and but I think you could also turn into like robots and monsters. I never really did this, so I, I don't really remember 
uh, it's more pronounced in the remake. So I, I'm not 100% sure on how it worked, but I know that like different monsters may drop meat or robots may buy, drop spare parts and then you could use those to turn into monsters or robots. And So it sort of had the classes from the original two games, although it didn't quite work out the same. But in a heavily diminished form. And it's yeah. Just, the game just doesn't hold as much interest because it's stripped out a lot of what made Saga games unique. Right. It's And, and that's the thing. It's not... It's not really interesting at all it's simple like the, the other two are at least curious to go back to but this is just like oh it's a kind of standard rpg from the time yeah which means that it was it, it feels ironically more like a game of its time <sighs> but what are you gonna do that's just what legend 3 is yeah all right so here i got a, a list of the different things you can transform into in their effects uh, okay so let's take a quick look here. So humans do two times damage with most, we most weapons, can equip, equip equipment, medium overall stats, low MP and magic power, cannot use talents. Mutants do two times damage with spells, can equip equipment, medium overall stats, lower HP and attack power, and can, cannot use talents. I don't really know what a talent is, but whatever. I uh, presume it's like skills or magic. Yeah. Beasts get a little bit of everything. They can use weapons, talents, and magic, and are... S ah! What are you doing to me, web browser? Deal with it. Let me read. Let me read information to the greater internet without accrediting its source. Yes. Well, I'm, let's say it is, edit this podcast. I should just remove this. Okay. Yeah. So, beasts... Can use weapons, talents, and magic, and are especially good with martial arts, which in the original games would be like the pun punch and kick weapons you could buy, which are interesting because. How do you feel about getting punched in the face by a bear? Yes. So, it, it there was no real place to fit this in, but the original games you could buy like punch and kick as like weapons, which were interesting because they had a high number of uses, like 99, but they didn't like increase in power until you'd use them for a while. So they were kind of weird like that. Um, yeah. Oh, this damn webpage keeps, like, auto-scrolling. I don't know what's going on. Is it loading in pictures? It may be. Okay, so what else about monsters? Choose a beast with high attack to maximize martial arts damage or one with high magic to have more MP for healing spells. So they yeah, do... yeah, now you're just reading the guide, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's fine. That's fine. I I I don't. It didn't really know. Like I said, I never really changed my characters to anything. So this is kind of interesting, anyway. So the beasts do more damage, much arts, Blah blah blah. Monsters are identical to their enemy counterparts, and can also use magic. Uh, so basically. A, similar to how they were in the original games. Yeah. And there's also cyborgs. Um which depend on their equipment. So Yeah. And but there's That's also the there's sometimes. also robots which interesting. <laughs> okay, I I no guesses. 
Like I said, I never played yeah. this one in any capacity. Stats of robots will greatly treat compared to enemy robots. However, by consuming capsules, the stats are gradually increased permanently. Weird. Wait, what? They I, turned I into humans from the first game. I don't know. Weird, yeah. So, and the robots... I have no strength <laughs> to hold me down. To the high but costing costs of capsules, robot development is easier in the later games. So yeah, they do sound like humans from the original game. Interesting. <laughs> so yeah, that is kind of interesting, but still not as interesting as the other games. Is this... Yeah, that's, that's basically the long and short of Saga 3. Yeah. Uh, so the remake was like... Um, Screw all this noise. We're gonna saga. We are gonna saga the crap out of this game. That's why it now has sparking, as mentioned. We will yeah. explain what that means later. Yes, yes. We won't go into sparking, but it has it here. Um, so this basically has the same kind of nonsense with the the transforming. It's just a bit better explained in that game. And although I don't think it works exactly how this chart talk, talks about, but that's not a, that's not important. So uh, equipment in this game originally it ditched the whole like number of uses and whatnot. So that was just an RPG. Yeah. Instead, this uses the system of the later Saga games, where you have a set number of uses. I believe they recharge when you go to an go and rush at, at an inn and whatnot. The interesting thing here is, um, well, I guess we're going to kind of have to explain sparking here, is <sighs> the weapons, you have a base ability, as in, like, just slash, a base slash or, punch, or something or like kick. that. And at random times, you could, quote-unquote, spark a new ability for that weapon, uh, I remember in in later in, in Frontier at the very least, and I'm not sure if this is if this is universal nomenclature, but I think it is. Uh, what would happen is every so often your character will start to use an ability, get a giant li cartoon light bulb over their head, and use a completely different ability. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm not like, I'm not sure if it actually new uses the new ability in this one though. I think it might just like give it give it to you and then it's available but not necessarily use it right then and there. Yeah, you, like you would have a certain number of ability slots in frontier. Yeah. So I think I think decide what they would have in battle. And, yeah. So I think in this one each piece of equipment will have like four or so different possibilities of different abilities it can get. Yeah. Um, so, like, you may have a cure spell, for example, and then may, you may unlock, like, it might just be called Cure 2, at least in the fan translation or something like that, which then... Something simple. <laughs> ...heals more or can heal multiple allies and things like that. Yeah, like, on the bright side, whatever you spark out of it has to be a semi-related ability. Yeah. So, like, if you just want to get better at slicing things, if you follow the series of trees that you spark out of swords, you will get... Well, like, it's, it's, a, it's a lot simpler take on the later games here, because it, it's, like, per weapon. Like, you could buy... Oh, it's per weapon. Yeah, you spark them out of specific per, weapons. per weapon, per spellbook, things like that. So you could buy, say, two katanas, but 
if you spark a new ability in one, it's not going to be in the other. Ah, that's yeah. mean, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. It makes yeah, it it makes those weapons valuable. Yeah, it makes the combat in this a lot more interesting than it was in- originally. Uh, yeah. So, and the remake of this was also done by Matrix, FYI. Um, and it's also fan translated. Yes. What's interesting, what's really kind of interesting here is it also ditched the random encounters and you know did the enemies on screen, but it also ditched the world map for a simple like point by point world map. So it's like Mystic Quest. <laughs> to some extent, you know, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's kind of like Mystic Quest. Uh, that's pretty interesting, in my opinion, because it makes what was a pretty simple, a pretty, s- really, s- ugh, what am I saying here? A pretty simple and boring world map in the original more interesting, because the actual areas they- you explore are bigger. They took out the parts that were not actually adding anything. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, this is this is one I really need. I need really need to play more. I actually got super stuck on a boss in this that I, I actually, that'll happen. I actually, I actually went back to recently, and I, I like trying to level up or do something, and just having no luck. So, uh, yeah. The remake of this is pretty tough. The original game, as I recall, was relatively easy. Yeah. But it's also a much more interesting game, so yeah. we'll no. forgive it. And the remake keeps uh, like traditional levels, despite adding more saga stuff. But it's still absolutely a more interesting, a more interesting game. So. Yeah, just because there's that whole, like, much different, strange ability system. Yeah. And there's also some extra in-battle things involved that kind of involve the time travel. Um, uh, nothing okay. really nothing really worth going into depth over, just kind of like... It is a nice touch. Yeah. It's like a party-wide ability of some type you can use. It's neat. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a neat, more interesting game than what it was. Yeah, but yeah, I am kind of sorry that I don't know more about like the character transformations in this game because, like I said, I just never really used it. I think I I think I was uh, a bit frightened after dealing with monsters in the original <laughs> game. So you'll excuse me for being a bit too frightened for, you know, seeing a piece of meat or some spare parts and being like, no, get the no, heck away I, from I my have characters. No need to be involved with yeah. this. Um, but, yeah. Um, I will definitely mess around that whenever I get to streaming this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a game worth going back to. Yeah. Or at least the DS version is. Yeah, the DS version for sure. I mean, if you find the original for cheap, uh, I don't know. Or you not. just hate all the other Saga games. Yeah. And if you do, then come on, come on. I don't. I don't think you're gonna command someone into giving Saga another chance. No, probably not. <laughs> let's let's move on to the okay. game that Kawazu was working on that kept him from working on Legend Three. Ah uh, yes, because now we enter the dark ages. Of Sonic, one of, of Saga fans, yes, and one of which we are currently in, with yeah, with a might. bright shining light coming in October or 
not October, fall. Quote yeah. unquote fall. We're we're counting something that's not ex- yeah. legally a saga game, but it's close enough. And I, I've actually played it, so it's definitely close enough. But yeah. Okay. So Romancing Saga? Yeah, Romancing Saga released uh originally like January twenty eighth, nineteen ninety two, for comparison's sake, that is approximately a month and a half after Final Fantasy Legend three in Japan. So you wow. can kind of understand yeah. how Kawazu's attention was tied up. Yeah. This is, like, kind of where a lot of Saga comes from, and it's, I believe, the series' greatest lasting legacy in Japan. I'm given to understand that these games were actually pretty popular there, and as far as any of these games have ever been popular. Yeah. Which, um, it's hard It's hard for me to kind of figure that one out, because I've gone back, obviously, well years and years later to just mess around with like a Japanese ROM because this never got like a full fan translation. A, I think of there's kind. a partial fan translation yeah, of the SNES version. Nothing really all that useful. Yeah, like there might be a menu, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, I do know I, I do know that, you know, we did get the PS2 remake of that and yeah. that is, I, I, I haven't played a ton of it, but from what I have played that's, if you want if you want to play a romancing saga game that and you don't speak Japanese, that is definitely your best bet. Oh, absolutely. Um, so the original is kind of experimental and weird and tough to tough to really deal with, but the remake is really nice. Which, but we'll get to that kind of later on. Also, since it's, it's really own, cheap. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cheap. Buy it, and it was really cheap shortly after it came out because I think when I, I think re- I. I picked up a full box copy like a year or two after it came out for $5. I'm pretty sure I bought it new for $20 a month after it came out. Yeah, like this, this is one of the reasons we didn't get the DS remake. Yeah. Like, marketing had learned that there was really no audience for this franchise here. But marketing should have known that those DS remakes, they could have slapped a Final Fantasy Legend on them and good to go because those are those originals were popular enough that they got re-released by Sunsoft. That was really weird. I don't know why that happened. Yeah. Um but but yeah, Romantic Saga really big important game. I've never played the SNES version. I, There's actually a Wonderspawn port of it for some reason. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh I mean, like I said I've tried to play it and it's it's kind of impossible without a full fan translation. Like, like, insofar as Romancing Saga goes, we're both pretty much clueless. There's no extant fan translation of any of them. I think there might be, like, a really awful one for three at some point. Yeah, let's... We'll, we'll talk about that a bit. So this one kind of sets the ground for, essentially, the Saga series going forward. Yeah, like, the... You know, romancing really like brings the series into the idea of this is a full-size console RPG. Yeah. So uh, gone are the wonderful early days of making your own party. Yeah, I think romancing introduces the idea of having a bunch of characters you pick from. Yeah. So that's kind of become a series staple to some extent. Yeah, like all of them have uh, after it have uh, aside from you know the remakes have uh, of games that never had it. Right. Uh, have all of the new ones after it have 
to some level, you pick a protagonist. That protagonist has their own story that might share side quests with some of the others, and it might not. Yeah. Mm. And the stories, when put together, might not even tell any sort of coherent story. <laughs> Maybe they just are a bunch of snapshots of a weird world. Yeah. And you don't really even need to play all the stories if you really want to. I think. I think that I was think our one time they tried to like the one time they were going to give you a reward for doing that. It was stuck like a frontier, and they had to cut it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of our personal experience with Soccer Frontier itself. It was just like we don't have to play. You play you what know, you play, play as interesting. Much as you want. Uh, yeah, like that. That is the nice thing about the fact that there really is no reward for doing all of them. Play as much as you can play of a character until you just don't want to play as them anymore and move on. Yeah. <laughs> So that, yeah, romancing brings that idea to the table. I want to say two has like this generational aspect, but that might be three. I can't remember. I I think two does, but two has even less in terms of fan translations. Yeah, like two is just like one has an abortive one, and three is a bad one. Two has nothing. I th- I think it has one that's been listed in progress for for ages, but eight hundred years. Yeah. Nothing Which really means that. I don't know. Don't hold your breath. I don't know if they ever even released even if that the partial even, patch. If that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um. I know people sometimes go back and do fan translations out of the blue of really old games, but it it doesn't seem like they'll they'll probably announce something if they're actually going to do something. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the sad thing about these first two games. At least the one has the. Th- the third game has something. The third one has a bad one, but you can still read it. Yeah. So. It, yeah, it, it's like at least you have some semblance of an idea of what's going on. Yeah, it's Whereas it's not this, great, but it's better than nothing. It's it's in pretty much impossible to play the first two games in this series, and that's well, except for the remake of one. But you know, even so, it would that's, be... it's a pretty different game. Is yeah. the thing. No, like the remake of one might actually be the finest saga product that exists. Oh, but, sure. But at the same time, like you still have to deal with the fact that you we really don't have much insight into what is basically the defining period this franchise has. Yeah, and I think this first one is where the actual sparking comes into play. Yeah, it might be. Like I know it's in the PS2 version. Yeah. Um, but. So so that's less like the one I was talking about in Legend 3, where each of the different weapons have their own set of skills. So you'll like get skills for a specific weapon type. Is that essentially the... Yeah, like if... I, I'm assuming it works like Frontier. Yeah. And basically, because, you know, that's the game that really brought me into the series. And uh, in Frontier, it's basically... It's a... Uh, like... It's a tree, basically. Where, yeah. like... You know, you start with something basic like punch, kick, slash, you know, they'll, they're all different categories. And then, you know, you sort of move through a tree that's just not obvious about how you do it. Because it's like more powerful skills, you have a lower chance of learning uh, and different, like each skill you use has a different chance of learning each of the others. Yeah. And so, like, as you go through the game, you will just get better skills that sort of match up. It's just, like, you don't know when. You could get a dry spell where you just don't get anything new for a long time, and then you might learn three of them all at once. And yeah. it's just, like, that's just the way the dice roll. It's 
it's interesting. Yeah. Like, it, in practice, it's not as insane as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, it's really not. And it, these these games are intimidating, but they're not unplayable. Exactly. Well, <laughs> except for the original Japanese versions of these first two S. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm saying they are not not inherently more unplayable than yeah uh, anything else that you would play in <laughs> Japanese. So essentially, the thing is, they're different, and that's what makes them interesting. That's that's why they that's why we have spent like an hour talking about them already. <laughs> yes, and we're we still have a ways we're to like go. Half, we're about halfway through the series, yeah. and we haven't even reached the ones I know about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as defining as so- romancing sagas one, two, and three are, we can't really say much about them because we haven't played much of them. Yeah. Um, and. Three. If you want to try one of one of these originals, three is your bet, bet, best bet. Because, like we said, there is a a bit of a mess of a fan translation. But or just play the PS2 version. Just yeah. Just do that. Yeah. Of the first game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just absolutely. play the PS2 version of the first game. It's your best. Your actual best bet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like they're all the same basic idea. You pick a character. Well, except maybe two, but we obviously we don't really know much about two. But at least one and three, you pick a character and you kind of follow along their story, and you may hit some of the other characters, you may not. And it's a, remember, all of these are pretty freeform sorts of games. Yeah. Um, they kind of take. <coughs> I remember somebody kind of comparing it to. Uh, what is... Comparing it to Ultima, hmm. to some in some regard, which I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but it's not wrong either. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're a lot more open and and yeah, um, like it's it's more the case of wander around, and figure out what you have to do next. Yeah. Um, it's a or, big world out there. Or maybe explore. you do know where to go next, but you're not entirely sure how to get there. But yeah, it's, it's the idea is a lot more exploring, which was there to some extent in the early games, but uh, they they tended to limit where you could go at any given time. And romancing is where those bar- arbitrary barriers start to go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> shall we move on to the next? kind of subset of saga games yeah yeah the frontiers yes so with the ps1 came yet another new saga brand we got saga frontier and this was the first one that was actually called saga in america Woohoo! and it was also ugly as hell oh my god <laughs> it is like i love these games this game is ugly i kind of like the sprites and stuff i Okay, the way, okay, technically ugly. Yes. The sprites themselves are these really strange, like, I can't quite tell, they look like they're pro, they sort of look like they're probably, like, 3D models that got converted into sprites at some stage, but really yeah. weird looking. Like, the entire game is really weird looking, which is kind of fitting, but at the same time, you kind of have to get used to it. Yeah. Honestly, it, it, it kind of looks like a... Um, like a 16-bit game that was moved to 
32-bit and not quite graphically updated enough. Is the way I could say. I, I disagree, though. Like, no? it's, it's it looks like it's very much a game designed with the PlayStation in mind, just to the, all the wrong ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I can see that. It's just like, yeah, we've got you know, because like, I mean, look, I want you to sit back and look at Red's hair again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> Which looks like, in on his model, it looks like a bizarre spiked flat top. Yeah. It's really, it's a strange-looking game. It's kind of fitting, given how surreal the game itself is, but it's still like, wow, this game is really odd. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. This game is really odd, and the selection of characters is pretty weird. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to remember all of them. We've got Red, who I already mentioned. His story is that his family gets killed by criminals, and so he comes back as a Sentai hero. Yep. Like, and he's, like, he was the first one I picked, because, oh yeah, Power Rangers. Yep. <laughs> uh, and... The problem is that if you're playing in his Power Ranger form, he can't get stats. Whoops. His stats cannot go up if he's, if he's fighting in Power Ranger form. <laughs> uh, by this point, the games have moved to, like, a more, like, humans just, you know, they gain stats based on fights. Um... But there's a there's a bunch of characters in here. I'm trying to remember what all of them are named. There's, like... There's if you blue. have to... Yeah, Blue is like freaking all whiz biz all the t- time yeah and his 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 story is interesting because as i recall it's like super open and you're kind of just wandering around getting magic and stuff and uh, blues is kind of the weird like halfway point because it is fairly open because basically blue's story requires him to go and learn like one of uh every type of like a, opposing schools of magic and so, like, he'll get one, and then he can't get the other. Because, <laughs> like, his, his weird rival, Rouge, gets the other. Yeah. And, like, ultimately it leads to a showdown with Rouge, and then after that he, like, fights in hell or something. Uh, <laughs> story is weird. Um, let's see, I'm trying to remember all of these. Loot is the, like, crown jewel of most open-ended. Because Loot's story is that about half an hour in, the final dungeon opens, and then you just go do side quests until you're ready to do the final dungeon. <laughs> like, it's... You know, you just sort of... You, you do things until you're done, and then you go do the final dungeon, hopefully you didn't bone yourself. Yep. <laughs> uh, which Amelia. Do you remember uh, Amelia? Okay. Yeah, hers is Prison Break, I think. Yeah. Like, she gets arrested for murder and ends up in prison. I remember her fighting through sewers for a while. Yeah. And you have to fight, find Joker, who's murdered her fiancé. Yeah, like... That's the other thing. These stories are totally all over the place. Yeah. And... The world they inhabit is this baffling uh, collection of sci-fi and fantasy and, like, other such madness. Yeah, like, the worlds are completely all over the place. Yeah, and they all take place in the same place, because if you haven't... If you, like, you'll notice that certain... (sighs) Certain characters intersect as time goes by, and, like, if if you meet another protagonist and their goals coincide, you can just say, hey... You want to come along, and they will. Yep. 
<laughs> and like you'll meet some characters that like just you know they aren't protagonists but you know multiple characters can recruit them because they just happen to be around uh most noticeably among them is a guy named fuse who i believe is in everyone's story I think so. and he is the infamous cut from this game because this game has seven player characters and it was supposed to have eight Aww. uh According to the, like, Ultimania guide that Square puts out in Japan that has developer interviews, uh, Saga Frontier's eighth character was supposed to be Fuse, and he was supposed to give the game some semblance of an overarching narrative. Oh. <laughs> uh, but largely, this game does not have any sort of overarching yeah, narrative. It, it's much healthier to just think of the game as being basically episodic. Right. Like, just different views into this weird, bizarre sci-fi fantasy world where things happen. <laughs> and that's... that's I, Ironically, I think that's part of its charm. The fact that there's no real tie that binds it all together. It's just... stuff. <laughs> and it's really fun and interesting stuff. Yeah, like, you'll you'll get confused by it. I mean, I spent so much time being confused by it. But at the same time, like... If you're willing to just let it be what it is, it's like you you won't fight find a game that's quite like it. Uh, definitely not. Yeah, even its sequel isn't really much like it. No, its sequel is something else entirely. Yeah, although ironically, a lot of people that don't like one tend to like two. It's true. But uh, in case you're wondering, uh, before we even get to it, unlike sorry, um. Unlike Final Fantasy Legend 3, Saga Frontier 2 is definitely still definitely very still saga. saga. Yeah. It's just a very different kind yeah. of saga. Um, but I think there's still a bit more to talk about here. There's definitely... We haven't even touched half the characters. Sure. Uh, so there was the robot. Yeah, T260, who's probably the best... Uh, like... Like, probably the best starter, just because robot, you know. Robots are cool. uh, Like always, they are the most deterministic. You have the most, uh... You have the most control over how T260 works. Uh, The robot customization system in Saga Frontier is actually pretty neat. And beyond that, T260 just has a relatively guided story. Yeah. There's there's move there's room to move around, but T two sixty goes places to do things. So it it kinda helps. Definitely uh, a good place to start with. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's a Celis. Her weird story is about getting hit by a truck. <laughs> Not a truck. But basically she gets run over and uh like a blood transfusion from a quote unquote mystic saves her mystic in this case i don't know if it's the same like officially the same name as an esper or a mutant uh, but probably close enough that's the closest to what it is yeah uh and like so her entire story her story is really weird because i think it's at least partially random how quickly it can be progressed uh she also a few of these characters I should mention her in particular have multiple endings mm. like I know she does I know Blue does uh, and I think Amelia might as well 
So, you know, just in case the game didn't have enough <laughs> random coming out of it. Uh, but yeah, like, Acellus has the ability to uh, progress her stats like a human, or she can progress them like a mystic, and that will determine her ending. Yeah. So, like, she's kind of an interesting one. Kind, I, I seem to recall her being kind of a tough one, though, so might be better to save that one. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think Blue was still the hardest. He's not the hardest, but he is not the easiest. Yeah. Uh, I, the hardest, from every opinion I've ever heard, is Riki. Yeah, that's probably about right. He's <laughs> the only monster protagonist, and monsters are even more terrible in this than they've ever been. <laughs> Like, I was, I was looking this up again because, I, like, I never really got far in Ricky's tale. Gee, I wonder why. And apparently, like, people well-versed in how Saga Frontier works are pretty convinced that monsters are about as terrible here as they've ever been in the entire franchise. Oh, poor monsters. Guess what? He's basically got nothing but monsters to help him. Yippee! Hey, yeah. Did you ever want to do a four-monster run party in a Saga game? No, I didn't. Well, then we've got the character for you to pick. Yeah, he's he's tough. He's weird. Like, I remember the monster world he runs around in being kind of neat, but, like, I, it's, uh, it's suffering to try to finish his game. Yeah. Uh, you're you're going to be going through a lot of issue. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's basically like Saga Frontier. Like, it may seem like that was an incoherent uh, set of ramp. Guess what? That's uh, that's Saga Frontier. It kind of is, uh, but it all kind of makes sense once you get into it and play a lot of it. Yeah, it's it's just you know. Yeah. You, you just sort of have to... Ex- like, the thing to remember with Saga games is to accept them on their own terms. Because yeah. you're not going to get from them. And the battle system in this one is a lot of fun, too. Yeah, there's a lot of really crazy things you can do. Uh, I, just, I seem to remember a lot of people talking ex- about exploiting the way the overdrive skill works. Might be thinking of a different game, but... Uh, I don't... Like, I never really broke this open, because yeah. when I... I was very dumb, and also, it's a hella confusing game. <laughs> didn't, but, this, didn't this have some kind of combo attacks? Oh yeah, this has combo attacks. What's even weirder, though, is that combo attacks aren't just what attacks you're doing, but what order you're doing them in. Uh, yes. Which you don't necessarily have control over. <laughs> you have <laughs> some control over it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's more like you can do two attacks in a different order, and like it seems like, oh, well, I'm still doing the two attacks. Shouldn't that be a combo? And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you're willing to invest far enough in the martial arts tree, you can take people to Suplex City, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just it's full of nonsense. Uh <sighs> Game is that game is so fun. Yeah, it's it's super weird. I'm I'm actually really jonesing to replay it, so I'll Me probably too. be doing. That. <laughs> Sadly, it never. It's probably super common now. I haven't checked, but uh, it was it was re-released on PSN Japan at some point. We never got it. No. Um. So you have to track down a physical copy, and that's dating. I th- I think that's a lot cheaper than Saga Two, at least. So 
which yeah, got, got a smaller probably. print run here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And yeah, there's uh, moving on from that. There's Frontier Two, I guess. Yeah, which is an interesting the most game. Narrative that the series ever got. Yeah. Uh, like that one. That one's about a very like that one kind of takes the romancing saga two idea of like a specific family line and condenses it down into a couple of people, as I recall. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, was there was there just two different options, or was there more than that? I think there's three total people, okay. but I may be wrong. Yeah. Like one of them, even if that's the case, one of them you only control for a very brief period. Yeah. The other thing is, as I recall, you don't actually, like, like they go through scenarios and then you sort of swap between them, if I remember right. Um, to some extent, uh, I still think it's... Uh... Yeah, I'm looking it up right now because my memories are pretty hazy. Yeah. Yeah, you've got, uh, it's it's primarily two characters. It's Gustav Thirteenth and William Knights. Yeah, it's still, pri- I think there's some overlap, but it's still primarily two different, two different plots, essentially. That yeah, are, the, that are, the like, thing, taking place okay, at the same now time. Now I get confusing me. Apparently, Will's story takes place over three generations of his family line. Okay. But, yeah, yeah like, they're they're very... Like it's it's the most narratively sound uh, of the saga games. Like if you wanted a game that actually tells kind of an interesting story, this is the one you're looking for. Yeah. It's also worth noting that unlike uh, Saga Frontier One, which is as mentioned, kind of an ugly game, this is a gorgeous game. Oh yeah, this has some of the best 2D art on the PlayStation. Like, yeah, this game is like. As as much as I prefer to play, uh, like as much as I uh, as much as like Saga Frontier has more nostalgia for me, this is probably a much more sound game. Yeah, and, and I think this is, you know, we mentioned that this game was probably preferred by a lot of people that may not necessarily be the biggest Saga fans, and the reason for that is it's a lot more linear. Yeah. Like you're like, not you're not you, wandering you go around. From place to place and yeah. things happen. <laughs> things happen, story happens, and then you're put in a new scenario where like you have to go here. You're kinda of free to roam around the limited yeah, area you're in. It certainly but... doesn't lose the saga spirit, but right. it's, it's it's a it's, it's a departure. You're right. It's just a different take on it. It's more story story focused and moving forward focused than it is wandering around and kind of uh, doing thing doing things completely at your own pace yeah I'm, I'm kind of happy though because I like I, I was late to the party to this one I didn't have it when it was new and then I picked it up in the mid 2000s from a dude who sold it to me like pristine mint condition for 20 bucks nice <laughs> I don't know what it goes for now. I probably should look that up. It's a, it's a kind of... Like, even among Saga games, it's kind of a forgotten little gem. Yeah. Jewel Case Coffee on Amazon, seventy one ninety nine. Yikes. Uh, I think I managed to get it for less than that, thankfully. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that's the most uh, unreasonable price you can find. But yeah. yeah. Uh... I think the music, oh, the music in that one was really good too. Yeah, like this is 
Probably one of the better complete packages in the franchise. Absolutely. And one of the more easy-to-recommend ones. The art reminds me a tad bit of uh, Legend of Mana. I don't know if there was any staff crossover. Yeah, I'm just wondering, I don't know if, as far as the art goes, if there's any crossover on staff. Well, while you uh, talk a bit more. Okay. Uh, so the combat was, as I recall, pretty much the same as Saga Frontier. Maybe with some uh, some little bits of changes here and there. Um, but for the most part, pretty much the same. Um, uh, but it also had like dual battles I yeah think, that would be fitting I think it also may have had some sort of strategic type battles and I really want to play both Frontier games again yeah um, I don't know if it was anything like quite like uh, Suikoden-ish or anything to that extent but it did have some sort of battles like that. So yeah, this, this is definitely a more interesting... I, I wouldn't say it's more interesting, but it is an easier-to-recommend package. Yeah. I mean, I, I just mean more interesting in, in that it does something different that's even different than the Saga series itself. Yeah, like, never try to pigeonhole what these games are. Yeah. <laughs> Never try to pigeonhole them because they will be like, no, no, here's no, this I'm, game. I'm... Yeah, speaking of. <laughs> speaking of, so uh, I think Next we'll, in the line. I think we'll move on from this one. We could probably talk about the plot of this one a bit since that's what it's all about, but I'd rather people play it and discover yeah, it. Yeah, no, this own. is actually a plot that's worth hearing about. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so for the series debut on the PlayStation 2, um, someone perhaps gave Kawazu maybe a bit too much oversight on a game. Uh, a, a bit little too, too much little oversight. Uh, they, uh, that's what I mean. A little... Too little oversight. Um, and in yeah. comes Unlimited Saga. I remember once hearing an interview, uh, hearing about an interview with him where he basically said... I know that a lot, not a lot of people are going to like this, but I, it was important to me, so I made it. <laughs> that sounds about right. You remember how we talked about um, Kawazu's fondness for the tabletop RPG? Well, this is that writ large. Yes. So, yeah. Um, like, this is... This game is weird. So it goes back to, like, the seven or so characters from, like, Frontier. Except, like, the entire game is menus and slot machines. Yep. That that about sums it up. Um... So, like, your character is basically moving around a virtual tabletop board, and every time they need to interact with something, in the same sense that you would roll a die to confirm whether you pass the check... You spin a slot machine, and if it, it comes up right, okay, you pass the check. If it yes. doesn't, oh, too bad. Does this sound all familiar? Does this sound like you're playing D&D or something and rolling saving throws? But now imagine you're doing it against a heartless machine yep. and no one to talk to. Yeah. 
there you have so it's an interesting concept to try to really translate everything about playing a tabletop game into a console game but it misses the mark by virtue of the fact that tabletop games are social (laughs) (laughs) well yeah it does it does yeah pretty much do that but the main problem with this game is it has so many design issues it's just incredibly disheartening because the thing is like on some level i love what it's trying to be yeah and that's what makes it frustrating <laughs> see if you think about the name unlimited saga in try to in trying to picture this game because i, I can't in good conscience recommend anyone actually play this game we um, tried that actually yeah. i think that's how we met i think so some crazy thing where everyone was playing it and with spectacularly different results <laughs> Yeah, like th- that's the other thing is that even though like the like all seven characters have different plots, which means that the game doesn't tell you this, but certain characters have it really hard. Yeah. So if you pick the wrong character at the beginning, you're not only going in blind, but you're also going into difficult sections. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's talk. Let's delve a bit more into how exactly this game works because I often see people describe this as a board game which to me is completely off the mark because when you use the phrase board game um most people are going to think of like monopoly or something like that which doesn't really give you a picture of what this game is yeah it really is like it's someone's D&D sessions yeah so it, it, if you think about it just happens to use like the visual iconography of a board game yeah so imagine like uh Sort of like Crimson Shroud, except not good. <laughs> so imagine like a, a D&D board you might use. Like some people use... A, yeah, some people use visual... like play maps and such. Yeah. So you have a little figure of your character, which is your party, and you'll move to from space to space on a map. Um, sometimes you may, like you said before, you have may have to roll skill checks. Like there's traps. You'll have to do the... I say roll, but it's a slot machine thing. Yeah, it's a slot machine, but it's simulating dice rolls. So. Yeah, and you can time it to, to try and get the best result. Yeah, sort of like how you get used to rolling certain dice. Right. Uh, the, the thing about it is that also, I think my favorite way I heard it summed up was uh, someone talking about playing the game and having a key to enter a door and having to roll the slots in order to see whether they could use the key on the door. <laughs> And the yeah. thing is, that failure didn't do anything. It didn't break the key or anything. It just meant you had to roll the slots again. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. that's kind of a microcosm of the it's, game. Yeah, and and just like Dungeons and Dragons or other tabletop games itself, um, if you wanted to say uh, swim through an obstacle or get through other different obstacles, you had to have a character with that skill. <laughs> And then probably do dice roll. I keep calling it dice. The slot machines. The slot machine. The thing is, like, the how well you're versed at the skill determines like how the slots are laid out too, yeah. though. So it really is just a dice roll. Yeah, pretty much. It's and, just making you more aware of the dice roll. Yeah, and the same goes for combat. And you may have skills that you're proficient in. So that there's isn't really a fail in the uh, in the the slot machine reel. It's more like varying degrees of success. Yeah, it's like, you know, it. the look is so off-putting about this is part of the problem. Yeah. 
Um, so the another interesting thing about the combat is, um, so we didn't. Another thing we kind of missed was uh, the saga games at some point moved to a system where you have hit points and you also have life points. Yeah, that's that's there fairly early on, I want to say. Yeah, um, actually, the, the original saga has it to some extent, but it's simply a certain number of times the character is revived. Yeah, so, and you can you can buy them back. They're super expensive. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so essentially, like a, a um, I don't want to try and cover how they work in specific games. But essentially, your character can take hit point damage, and when they go down, they may take life point damage. If and an enemy is beating the heck out of their corpse, they're going to start taking life point damage. Yeah, and when that goes all the way down, they're pretty much dead. So the weird thing in, in this one is it, it's really weird. Like, your character can go down to zero hit points and still be up. And you don't want them to be in that position, of course, yeah. because it means everything is riding on their life points. I don't see. The weird thing is, I don't think they always even necessarily take life point damage at that point. It may just depend on like the, the severity uh, of the blow, the severity of the blow, or the the level of the, of the monsters you're fighting. And we so we both. I feel like we should clarify. We both tried to work out how this game works, yeah. and neither of us succeeded. It's 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 really a mess. And like I said, there's there's a concept here for a game that could be a lot of fun. Like, or at the very least, completely fascinating. Yes. <laughs> uh, but just how it was all put together just, just does not work well. Like, um, like it's, to, it's, to go it's, off of life points for a second, the magic system is insanely obtuse. Like how you learn magic. Like you have to, you have to get a magic. I don't even know how this works. I never figured that. So, so the basic idea is you have to get a magic slab, and oh then you have to get a magic slab. Then you have to have a weapon that has some sort of some type of magic-ish skill on it, and you have to like use that. And then eventually, when you get to an adventure, the end of adventure, and you get to like level up your characters. Um, you know, once you the DM's can, clearing the table, you can then get get the magic spell permanently there. It, it's weird, and like uh, magic spells aren't as powerful as weapons in the game, but there's certain times they're they're very useful. It's on phase and, of the moon weight now, <laughs> and like they, they don't deal with like durability or anything like that with weapons. It's it's just. Very, it's a really very complicated dense. game. Yeah, like it, it's the definition of overcomplicated without really being that in depth. Yeah, and and like some some of the the uh, leveling mechanics, like oh god, so like at the end of the adventure, like and this is like split up into little mini adventures. Um, you get you can put like there's this board and you can pick you get like icons to put on it. And there's certain ways you can build that to make your character more powerful, but the annoying thing is you always have to put a new one in there, like at the end of an adventure, so you can totally mess what you've set up over just because, hey, you got to put something new there. It's just ugh. so frustrating. And, and like going back to the life points for a second, like so. It would make it would make sense to me if, okay, 
you know, you get down to zero hit points, and then your character is possibly risking permadeath by continuously taking damage in that state. But you can also take life point damage just with full hit points, just depending on, like, what you get hit with. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's... I want to call it the black sheep of the series, but I still think that's Final Fantasy Legend 3. Um, it is instead the weird cousin. Yeah. And this game sold well based on the name of Japan, but I, I, I don't think it was any I'm more given popular. to understand it wasn't popular yeah. there. Either. I don't think they liked it any more than it, we liked it here, which is to say it was not liked. <laughs> There, there's a reason that the series hasn't had a proper new entry, like non-remake, in over a decade now. Yeah, I, I think they print printed a decent number of copies of that game here, and it, it was hard. One of the one of the easiest to find if you really wanted a copy, you could probably yeah. like bathe in them. I'm pretty sure I could still find copies of it at GameStop, like when they were clearancing out PS2 games. Yeah, like that's when, that's when I bought my copy. Yeah, and and you know they may, that may not seem like anything, but uh, people bought up RPGs, PS2 RPGs a lot from GameStop. So finding almost any any one of them means that it did not sell well, <laughs> which sadly meant it was also easy to find Breath of Fire Dragon Dragon Quarter, you monsters. Uh, I had trouble finding Dragon Quarter, but I bought it anyway. Did you? Yeah. I actually, yeah. I I hadn't bought new originally. Um, Let's was, not go into this. Well, I was just gonna say I actually found it found it new on Amazon. Like we were when we were in the middle of recording a backtrack about uh, Breath of Fire and bought it new, so uh, for less than twenty dollars. So there you go. Um, I think. And I think you could also do that for this, but I think newer new copies of this are getting a bit more rare at this point. Um, don't worry, don't spend your money on yeah. this. <laughs> but it's weird, there are fans of this game. I've seen somebody put up I... some really cool YouTube tutorials for this game. Yeah, I just can't go there with you, man. <laughs> which I think are still there, and if you actually want to try and play this game, I highly recommend them. Um, yeah. Uh, there's There's... There's the idea of a decent game here, but the lengths you have to go to get to that decent game are not are not good. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Uh, so after this one, we get the remake of the original Romance and Saga. Minstrel yeah. Song. Yeah. That's a that's a really nice game. Which um was not popular at all here. And probably Which is a shame, as well. because it might have actually earned it. <laughs> yeah, and when you kind of look at it, you might say, wow, this has a weird art style. Um, until you realize what it's trying to do. Uh, remember that the original version of this is a 16-bit RPG. And if you take that into account and look at, really look at this game, it's pretty much taking that 16-bit pixel art style and forcing it into 3D on the PS2. And when you look at it that way, it's like, wow, it it really does look like a 16-bit RPG forced into 3D. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's a nice game though. Like it's one of the more you know. It's it's one of the more recommendable entries. Yeah, it it's it really does look nice, and it's got an awesome, completely redone soundtrack. <coughs> it's got a big world. There's tons of stuff to explore. It's got um, is it also seven characters, I believe. I think it's seven. Um, and you can all, there's also like a something you can you unlock if you do all the character stories. Yeah, it's, I don't seem to recall it's spectacular, but I'm pretty sure it exists. Yeah. And, hey, we we even got uh, voice acting uh, for the English version. So. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a nice package. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's easy, to, it's a nice combination of easy to track down, Saga is all hell, and, <laughs> you know, a good package. Yeah, it's a good package. It's not super hard to get into. There is a nice uh, strategy guide out there, probably on the cheap, if you really want it. Also, plenty of internet resources, because yeah. the internet was in full swing by that point. Uh, it's just a really good game, and uh, if you want the full Saga experience, I think this would be what to start with, really. If, you, if you're kind of maybe scared of the original Game Boy games, or don't have don't really want to or do can, the or fan translations. Or half-hearted re- recommendations of Frontier. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, I wouldn't say they're half-hearted. I'd yeah, say, no, they're just very... Uh, the, they're both They're, they're just games. very cautious. Yes. <clears throat> like, I think we'd say uh, both agree that they're both really good games. It's just that if you're not the kind of person that can go into one of those games and play, take them for what they are, instead of going in and saying, well, I want this kind of RPG, or I want to play it this way, um, then it, it just may not work for you. And, you know, that's fine. You know, not every game is for everyone. But I, I feel like people should give these games a try with the eye of, like, don't bring expectations to them just let them be. Yeah, like, you might find that they're really interesting. Even if you don't finish one, it can still be a fascinating experience. I I think unfortunately, <coughs> probably to the detriment of these games, sale these game sales is the fact that they were published by Square Enix, who uh, obviously were popular over here for Final Fantasy games and a few other notable titles. Uh, which don't play anything like these games. So Yeah, so these feel like, you know, you see these and they've got the high Square Enix production values and they're, yeah. uh, you know, they're RPGs. You expect them to sort of play like a normal RPG and then they're really weird as hell. Yeah. I think... I'm trying to... I think this would be like um, wanting to play something like... Uh, a gold box Dungeons and Dragons RPG and grabbing, say, an Ultima game and... <laughs> it really wasn't what you signed yeah, up for. exactly. <laughs> and that, that might not even be its fault, but that doesn't change the yeah. fact that... Uh, it wasn't what you were expecting and... The betrayed expectations colored your ideas. Exactly. <laughs> that Square Enix logo could be a blessing and a curse. Yep. It made people look and then wonder why they'd looked. 
could make someone buy Legend of Mana and then be like, what the hell what, is this? What is this? This is it's not Secret a of Mana. Action RPG. <laughs> this, is, this is not Secret of Mana. In, in all spirit, it's a saga action RPG. Yeah, it, it really is. With the color and spirit, to some extent, of the Mana series. Yeah, but there's still this series still kind of kicks around in non freaking remake form occasionally. Yeah, that's why brought this. That's why this stuff got brought up. Yeah, it's true. And there is a new saga due. Is it due this year? I'm not sure. It is currently labeled to be <coughs> Saga 2015. Okay, so I would hope it comes out this year. Like, uh, it was announced in December. We haven't really heard anything about it since, but I would yeah. be shocked if it doesn't turn up in some fashion. Probably it's a Vita game. We're not yeah. getting it. Yeah, this is not going to be shown at E3. Uh, Gamescom, probably. Not E3. Definitely not. <laughs> don't ex- uh, don't expect a little... to... we'll, we'll see it at TGS. Yeah. Don't expect a localization. Um, if you're a Saga fan, prepare prepare yourself to import this and do the best you can, because that's what I'll be doing. Yeah, it doesn't have a proper title yet. I'm going to cry when it doesn't come out here. They also made some browser game, which sounds like it's uh, sort of like a... Uh, from what I've heard, it's like Final Fantasy Record, Keep- Record yeah. Keeper. So it's kind of like a, just a fan game. Uh, Probably not offensive, feet. but at the same time, like, it's basically impossible to uh, really play in English for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is that it's playing on romancing Saga's nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Which, <laughs> the ones <laughs> Well, we hey, get. we got one of those, and not many people bought it. <laughs> well, not only that, but the, the the character art is probably meant to look like the SNES uh, yeah. yeah, which, yeah. Which we sadly never got in... So it's hard to even be nostalgic for that. And so, ah. yeah. someone do someone do it. Translate them. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Well, I'd imagine that the issue is probably that they're, given how strange the games they are, they're probably coded really weird too. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think I remember reading something to that extent about two. Um, like they were hitting all kinds like, of issues. Yeah, well, I'd imagine that there's probably issues for all of them. <laughs> um, so probably built on the same base. The future of the series here, not so bright. But luckily we are sort of getting a saga game. Kind of. Yeah, that being Legend of Legacy, which... Oh man, I was so happy when this got announced for yeah. America. So, so this is a game made by a bunch of former Square Enix staff. You might be. You might remember uh, a certain RP gamer staff member mentioning it on an earlier episode of this. That's very true. Yes. Where we learned about it. Yes. <laughs> and then I bought it like the day after we recorded that episode. Yeah, they <laughs> went off to developer Furyu and made this. Yeah. Um. So did they just publish it, or did they? All, is does the staff actually work for? For, oh yeah, looking at it now, yeah, they that's they do work for them. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's Furyu. Yeah. So. I don't know if we know exactly who. Um, was it just like a bunch of developers and some, uh, some it's people artists, that do the artists? I think it might be a writer and a, com- a composer or two. Who knows? Uh, yeah. It's it's a lot of it's like a bunch of the underlying talent. Yeah. So, as we talked about in the last podcast, uh, these sorts of games aren't generally the vision of one singular person. So 
Yeah. We, we call this... A lot of these people... <laughs> so a lot of these people probably had a lot of extensive... You know, hand in why Saga feels like it does. Exactly. So when we say this is sort of a Saga game, it, it's not really... Kinda... It's probably got about as much claim to it as Saga 2015 yeah. will have. And and I've I've played a bit of it, and it's really true. You know, it, it feels like a saga game. It's also apparently the Japanese version is ball bustingly hard. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, uh, it's being made easier for English uh, audiences, so it might be a good jumping on point. Yeah. It, it's also super story light, and I think mostly focused on exploration. Like this. Yeah. The the term I heard was that basically it says, "Wow, what a big world! Go look." Yeah. What a big world. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah, and like the story is delivered through like these statues you find. Yeah. Um, which, uh, yeah, the title Legend of Legacy would suggest. Hey, Legend of Someone Else's Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, that's the best we Saga fans can hope for in the near future. Um, Honestly, it's better than a lot of fandoms have to look forward to, so I won't complain. Yeah, it's true. And, um,. You never know. Stranger games have been localized, so we may get lucky. I doubt it, but... Meanwhile, I'll go back to keening over Dragon Quest. Yes. Oh, Dragon Quest. You know what would be hilarious? If we somehow got a localization of the new Feet of Saga, but still no Dragon Quest Seven. I think I would die. <laughs> I'm not even sure if it would be a positive or negative death. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like, what is going on? World, what what Satan would allow this? What, what wonderful and awful world do we live in? <laughs> Who would put hell on wheels? What Satan would allow this? Oh, Saga. It's a very interesting series. That... As you can tell by the fact that we just talked about them for, I think, about two hours. Yeah. We kind of were nuts about them. <laughs> um, so we got a bunch of random Twitter questions. I'm just going to read off, and we'll go through yeah, real quick. Yeah, we're lightning around this. Yeah, so let me just scroll down here and get to the first one. Was I just humming the Ninja Turtles theme? That does seem like something you would do. Okay. Let's see here. Describe the most amazing moment you've experienced playing the series. Not a question, but interesting still. I think it was the first time that I understood what Sparking was doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I pick up Saga Frontier. I don't really have any context for it other than Square RPG for my PS1. And, like, I'm, I'm picking out attacks, and then suddenly I do an unrelated attack, and it's on my attack list. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What just happened? How did this happen? What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> and then, of course, falling straight into the Stockholm Syndrome afterwards. <laughs> um, trying to think what mine would have to be. I think, honestly, mine would just be the realization, like when I first was messing around with Final Fantasy Legend 2, aka Saga 2, realizing what the robots were. Like, because when I was a kid, the, the weapon durability was so frustrating, as you, as you might imagine, for someone yeah. like 12 years old. Um, or 20 years old. Yeah. Or 100 years old. Yes. So seeing that and being like, oh my god, their weapon uses recharge. Oh my god, I must have all robots. That was like a pretty amazing moment. 
but I think also kind of a more uh, interesting one would just be playing Saga Frontier and finally and reading about it and finally getting like finally learning about s the Saga series really and realizing that I had been playing it all along yeah it's just like oh the surprise was me <laughs> yeah cause I mean really uh, for the longest time there was no real unless you're reading game magazines and reading a lot about this there's no real way to know that those Final Fantasy Legend games were some other series that was just getting retitled. <coughs> yeah, I mean, like, you didn't really have as much expectation out of them when they were first being released. Yeah, so you kind of just feel like, oh, it's it's a weird, portable Final Fantasy. And you kind of just wrote it off as that, and then eventually learned that, hey, this is his own series. So Yeah. So playing that and being like, oh, cool, this character's a monster. Oh, my God. Like mutants and a robots. fantasy kitchen, a fantasy kitchen sink. Yeah, it's it, it. That was that to me was just really cool and and uh, just so cool. It's like a nostalgia bomb and just excitement to play this game at the same time. So yeah, so I think that really was the moment that solidified my. Fan, my status as a Saga fan that, you know, it really hit home. Yeah. Really, just the first game you played solidified your status. Yeah. Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's see. What's the next one? Uh, best Saga Frontier protagonist. Oh, man. Best? Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Like, they're all really weird. Uh, I've got a lot of love in my heart for both, like, Power Rangers and robots. So one <laughs> of those two. We'll go with that. Um, I'm trying to think here. Because I played, uh, what's her name? Was it Amelia, the prison girl? Yeah, it's Amelia. Yeah, I think that was the first one I played, so I kind of have a lot of fondness for that, even though it's kind of a, a weird storyline. No, it's a cool storyline, yeah, though. It, it is cool. You never see that plot in yeah. another RPG. Like, weird prison break murder mystery storyline just doesn't appear <laughs> in other RPGs. You can only do it when you're making a dozen plots. It's true, and it was cool kind of having all that mixed with the whole weird Cyber Frontier mix of Final Fantasy and... Or not uh, Fantasy and... Fantasy and sci-fi, I'm sorry. Such a strange world. Like, I, I really don't think it was possible to bring across how strange Saga Frontier's world is. Yeah. Like, even more so than most of them. Yeah. But strange in a good way, because it was kind of... Yeah, just, no, I, I'm yeah. not saying bad. Yeah. I'm saying, like, it's... It's fantasy on another level because it's like it's weird by fantasy and sci-fi standards, and that yeah. makes it fascinating. It was cool to just wander around and see what the heck was out there. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, it'll be a bunch of weird, like normal things mishmashed in a way you never really thought to put together. Because why would you ever do that? <laughs> but I mean that in the kindest way possible. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's see what's the next one here. 
Um, which saga game is considered best for story and characters, and why? I think uh, that, we kind of went over that. Yeah. It's Frontier Two. Yeah, it's Frontier Two because it's the most focused on story. Um, it's the only one yeah. that really primarily concerns itself with a narrative. Right, and, and that's not to say that there aren't interesting stories and characters in any of these games. It's just that, the, by their very nature of being more open, um, they're yeah they're less narrative focused. So, um, just yeah. by that nature, Saga Frontier is going to win this because it's the more developed well, two narrative. specifically I'm sorry, two. two. Is is the more developed narrative, and it's not a bad one either by any stretch. Yeah. So, it's just that's that's the where it put its eggs, and so. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Uh, Frank, the one that asked us the question about the best Saga Frontier protagonist. Yeah. Also replied, "Hint: It's not Riki, the monster character." Yep. 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 <laughs> The best thing about Riki, his name is also offensive in Japanese, which is why they had to change his name. Or I should say it's offensive when transliterated directly from Japanese into English. <laughs> Let's see, we have another person here that didn't ask questions, but just mentioned that, um, this is Christopher, mentioned that uh, they didn't really fall in love with the, the Game Boy games, but uh, Frontier and Romancing Saga 3... I'm assuming that fan translations uh, yeah. were their jam, so... Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, they're very different games. Let's see here. Uh, another one from Low Whoops. What is the most frustrating design idea that seems to be in every game anything particularly deal-breaking? <laughs> <sighs> That's tough. Like... Yeah. The way monsters work. Yeah, <laughs> I think that pretty much sums it up. That's probably like it's not deal breaking because you can always like largely make parties that don't involve them, but like monsters have never really worked as well as I think they're supposed to. Yeah, even in the later games, yeah. where they where they're still present. Yeah, it's still like <laughs> oh, this is kind of weird and doesn't quite work. Yeah. It's an interesting idea, and you can make it work in certain games, but yeah. It's just, yeah, unless it's Frontier 1. Uh, it doesn't quite work. Yeah. That's that's it mostly for persistent elements. I think all the others on their in their strange fashion tend to work. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one from Christopher. Christopher pretty much had the same reaction in about the Game Boy Final Fantasy Legends, quote-unquote. Yeah. Oh yeah, weird Game Boy version. Yep. Yep. That's, that's what it seems like when you've got like, <laughs> you know, when that comes out, like it came out in 1990 in America, which would have been just after Final Fantasy One came out in America. You had no context for what this was supposed to be. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is a little different than the last one. Oh well. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Here's a comment from False Logic uh, accusing us of Stockholm syndrome for uh, these games. Disagree. Yeah. Totally some of them are some of them are Stockholm Syndrome, but most of them are actually interesting games. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's see. Here's one from Little Whoops. Uh, who is the coolest bad guy in Saga games? Any iconic monsters in Saga games? Hmm. They're all just weird. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> My personal favorite is still the opening to uh, the villain of uh, like Red Story in Saga Frontier, just because he's like. 
combination space mobster slash uh, Sentai villain. <laughs> so, like, and there's the villain in Emilia's story, the Joker, just some weird axe murderer or something. Not the same Joker. Nope. Uh, nope. Yeah. Also not the Joker from Persona 2. Yes. But, yeah, like... There's, a, like... Like, because the games tend not to focus too hard on their overarching plots, they also tend to be less villain-focused than yeah. a lot of games. There was, there was one other thing that uh, Law Whoops had asked that I felt like deserved addressing just because it allows me to clarify another point. Sure. Uh, have Saga characters ever done cameos in other games? Any series regulars that are in most Sagas? And it's worth noting that basically none of these take place in even remotely the same world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and being less than character focused there's no real like broad uh, re- recurring characters as I recall yeah. as far as monsters I think <clears throat> if you look at the kind of subsets of saga games you'll probably see some overlapping monsters like obviously the first two games there's probably some that make it into the, the third game that were in the first two as well it's it's like the sub series tend to group yeah. themselves. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think you'll probably see a lot of the same monsters in the rom- romancing saga games. Although um, that's as much for asset reuse. Yeah, <laughs> probably less saga frontier and saga frontier two because those yeah, those, those don't pretty, really share any assets. Yeah, those are super different art styles. So yeah, not really they, there. they stick out like a sore thumb, but. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's probably some overlapping skills and weapon names and things like that. Oh yeah, skills and weapon names do carry over a few yeah. times, but yeah, um, it's, it's they're different games. Yeah, it's less like Final Fantasy where you'll get a lot of the same iconic monsters, maybe just in different art styles and things like that, and it's more the thematic design and the, system the design. More than anything is what ties these games together. Yeah, and it's why they can all be so different and still feel like th- like Saga Three is the odd one out. Yeah, <laughs> Saga Three, like e- e- Saga Three feels more out of place than even Unlimited Saga. Yeah, like it, as, <laughs> as Unlimited Saga is a departure. At the same time, you look at it and you're you can look at it and be like, I kind of see how this happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it, you know regardless of who it's credited to like that that team of people made something that feels like it has an identity that sort of is tied to what they were making and that more than anything is why the games feel like a series even though they share so few ties yeah um, I'm glad to write a two hour love yeah. letter to the series well and there's, there's also like box art and Official art manuals and stuff like that. that, that the official the art tends to look a lot different from each other. Does it? Well, yeah, probably. Like some of it, like you know, you compare cover art from Saga Frontier One and Two, and they look pretty. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's. I wasn't thinking those. I was just thinking of well, Romancing Saga and the originals kind of look similar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just it's a. You could almost think of them in the same way that you would think of, uh, like, Dragon Quest, where you get a few of them that are more closely related than others, but, like, they're all sort of tied together by their design philosophy and the art behind them. Yeah. 
of course, you know, Dragon Quest is always successful and Saga is oftentimes half drunkenly stumbling to confuse unplayability, but yeah, and, and Dragon, uh, Dragon Quest definitely tries to stay more consistent, whereas this is not afraid in the slightest to not be consistent. Something completely unrelated yeah. that somehow still feels like the abs. Like, of course, that's how it would follow up. Which is why we have no idea whatsoever what the new saga for Vita will yeah, be like. Yeah, like that, that's the great thing. It yeah. could be a card game. Yeah, yeah. who knows? <laughs> who knows? It could be a card game, and I would simultaneously, like, cry with disappointment and also say that makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd almost be like, oh, I, I wonder if Kawazu has been playing too much uh, Magic the Gathering or something. <laughs> Uh, it would be in character. Yeah. So, but regardless, uh, we look yeah. forward to it. We look forward to it, and we certainly look forward to Legend of Legacy. Thank you, Atlas. Thank you. Like I have no words. I was sold. Oh man, thank you, Atlas. Yeah. I I I just assumed no hope for that one. So, certainly present supplies surprise. Although we sort of knew about it about a month ago because. Uh, Slip of the tongue. Yeah, so, it's funny. Someone from Atlas, I guess, was on a podcast or something. He was. It was some sort of recorded interview. Yeah. Where he like said, you know, one of our next games, Legend of Legacy, when he was meaning to bring up something that was already announced. At the yeah. Time. <laughs> so it was like, whoops. And I think he had like a funny response to it on Twitter or something. Yeah, like, like, like his, funny uh, image. Like when they when they officially announced it, like they made light of the fact that they yeah. had let it out the bag too early. Yeah. So. I I don't think it was a big deal. So, uh, as far as like licensing, licensing or anything like that. So, uh, hopefully, poor guy didn't get in any sort of trouble or anything. I can't imagine he seemed pretty lighthearted about yeah. it. Honestly, so. <laughs> and plus, it doesn't seem to have been far ahead of when they were going to announce it because I yeah. mean they announced it like a month later. So, <laughs> and they are kind of working on a lot, so I can understand if. If they're a bit over uh, overworked there. Yeah, I'm just glad we're getting it. Yeah. All right, so we should probably wrap this up. We've talked a lot of saga, a lot to think about for anyone not super familiar with the series. Um, and I... let us know if this episode idea of like just talking about one very specific question we can go on for hours about was yeah. a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and definitely let if. If you have played Saga because you listened to this, please let us know because uh, we that be, was our goal. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be very happy to hear that. Um, so yeah, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, next episode, we'll be back to typical multiple questions. Uh, we still have a big backlog, but we really felt like this question deserved its own episode. <laughs> so. Also, we're we're just awful people that really need to talk about Saga. <laughs> uh, so we'll I'm gonna insert some music from I'm not sure which Saga games, but you'll hear some music from the series at this. Uh, I'm gonna insert a few cl clips in the end here. So enjoy that, and we will see you next time. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>